Hey y'all! In a wild turn of events, We the Black People is three years old today. At this point, I've had more great conversations than I can keep track of. So, it's about time for me to make a clip show. Another clip show. <laughs> Whether you've been riding with me since November of 2020 or November of 2023, we've spent a lot of time in the past, but I've also tried to keep the past relevant to the here and now. Which is why I'm going to play some clips and talk about some of my favorite moments of bridging the gap between the past and present. So let's get into it. When I set out to make this show, I figured that the answer to a lot of present conditions for black people would be slavery. And we've traced a lot of things from slavery until now. The way that black people's movement is and has been policed. The way that reproductive policy diminishes women's rights in favor of fetuses. And... On episode 32, Family Separation During Slavery, Professor Heather Andrea Williams traced how doing genealogy work today is such a struggle for Black people because of how frequently families were separated without a trace. That separation made finding lost family hard during slavery, in the decades immediately after it, and the search continues to be full of hurdles to this day. And I, I think one of the, the things about the book is there have been people doing genealogical research for a long time. And I think that reading this book can help them to understand some of the stumbling blocks that they encounter. If you have an ancestor who enlisted in the Union Army, once Black men were allowed to enlist, you can go and find those books and trace, you know, you can find that person. It's not easy. It takes time. It takes effort. But there's no book that says these people lived on this plantation and they were sold here and then they went there. There's none of that. And so there are just lots of blockades, you know, lots of places that you just can't penetrate because very often black people only show up. If they show up at all in the records, they have one name, just like Betty. And so when somebody is being sold and you find a bill of sale, if you know that that person was owned by John Brown, John Smith, and the names coincide, you can say that's your ancestor, but it's it's hard to know. It's hard to know. Yeah, your book kind of does leave a little like unresolvedness, but that's what ended up happening to a lot of the characters in this book. Another theme connecting the past to the present has been that history opens up forgotten ways of thinking about organizing and measuring a movement's success. Whether it's domestic workers figuring out how to organize collectively, even though they worked for different people in different homes, modern Black feminism's stealth legacy and how we think about intersectionality, or Black co-ops reminding us of the power of believing in our own abundance. This next clip is from The Abundance of the Black Cooperative Movement, episode 38 with Professor Irvin Hunt. Their biggest time of flourishing happened, ironically, in the Great Depression. In 1930s, more Black cooperatives, more cooperative activity took place than at any other time in American history. That's amazing, right? And I think that it speaks to us now in a time of like this deep uncertainty where we feel like we're losing so much. I think what it says to us is at the time that we feel lowest, we might have access 
to more abundance than we've ever thought we could. And and that that also speaks to now this the sort of you know, you have Soul Fire Farm, a cooperative farm that is coming out of New York, one of the more popular and more well-known cooperative farms that are happening today. You've got Cooperation Jackson that's trying to take the legacy of Freedom Farm and expand it. You've got a lot of different emergences of various cooperatives that are, so it's kind of like a resurgence that's happening now. And I think it's a resurgence out of a place of recognizing we have to tap into the abundance that we are when we come together and lay down this idea of ourselves as deprived people and lay down this idea of ourselves as needing to argue and, and, and fight with the state and get state recognition for the things we need, which is never going to be the things we need. You know? <laughs> and so on a whole, it's an invitation to think of social movement as a vast experimentation. And I think it's happening. I think it's happening now. There's so many different calls for mutual aid. Mutual aid has almost become sort of a tagline. You know, let, let's ban our goods together. Let's ban our resources together. It doesn't matter what political side of the spectrum you come on. Like you don't have to subscribe to a political doctrine in order for us to do this. And 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 I think that kind of that kind of thinking is taking off again. And I think it's the kind of legacy that the cooperatives speak to us. We have what we need to have what we want. We really do, y'all. The last category is the eerie one. The times when the past repeats itself in the present. Culture wars going against history deemed un-American are nothing new. Neither is the restriction on voting rights we've seen since 2020. That's a cycle that goes back to 1838, Professor Derek Spires told us back on episode 20, called Neighbors, Citizens, Critics, Political Organizers. Here we are again, looking at states enacting restrictive voting legislation. One of the ironies is, I mentioned Pennsylvania restricts voting to white men in 1838. They get the votes to do that in the state constitutional convention as a direct result of a contested state election. In Bucks County, I think it is, the Democrat lost by two or three votes. And they chalked that up to voter fraud among Black voters who weren't supposed to be voting. And that argument was part of what gave them the votes and the push to disenfranchise all Black citizens in Pennsylvania. Wow. Right. (laughs) We talk about history repeating itself. Wow. See what I mean by eerie? But to keep this episode a reasonable length, I'll just talk about this last thing without a clip. I call it Lasting disparity and continued struggle. We've seen how racist policies and their consequences aren't a spontaneous accident, but are a system. In medicine, in banking, in amusement parks, and even in poverty in Haiti. But we've also seen how a trend like a lot of Black women being visible in politics isn't brand new either, but the continuation of a long Black feminist movement. The system is set up to fail Black people, but Black people have long pushed against that system. Speaking of the present, I want to say thank you. I didn't expect three years of this when I started with the Black people, and you have definitely helped to drive my commitment and excitement for this show. There's a lot more to tell and discover about Black history, so don't worry. We the Black people isn't going anywhere. All power, all people, y'all. 